Hello my friends, Simon Miller here and welcome to another episode of Retro Ups and Downs. And from now on, I thought we could start the intros as I do regale you about the tales of yesteryear and just set up the scene in front of my lovely fireplace and my very cozy dressing gown. But seriously, there is so much to WrestleMania 27 and yet when you start researching it, the biggest of all of these is Snooky. That's right. So it is sort of funny because of course back in 2011, and was like, oh my gosh, I love the Jersey Shore. Whereas in 2023, what most human beings will say to you, if you say, hey, do you remember Snooky? They will go, is there something wrong with you? Do you need to see a doctor? It's not like it's a Mike Tyson or a Cindy Lauper. It is just someone whose name rhymes with Nookie, which used to be a Limp Biscuit song from around about the same time, which is also slang for, don't worry about it, it's a family show. But look at all of this as well, because The Rock also came back at WrestleMania 27, and the whole reason we did this was to set up the WrestleMania 28 main event, because we were going to get John Cena versus The Great One, and Vince McMahon had the great idea, well, why don't we use the main event of Mania 27 to get that in motion? And look, it was kind of revolutionary, I suppose, at the time... But it's also crazy. And it also kind of ties into the fact that around this time, Vince McMahon had gone and eradicated what WWE actually meant because he wanted to get wrestling out of there. This may have changed since then. I didn't look. But for a good while, it was just WWE. If somebody said, what does WWE stand for? You had to go, it's just WWE. Amazingly, too, at the Raw after this WrestleMania, plans were changing so much. The word was officials were losing their mind. So the next time you see a modern day report that says, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's no structure in WWE. It's always been this way, they're bonkers. And the real concern is that the powers that be just weren't happy with how everything between The Rock and John Cena was going. Because <laughs> no matter what they tried to do, poor old Big Match John kept getting booed. I'm not entirely sure what they were expecting, but in case you weren't around in 2011, this was the constant conversation with people being like, why won't they just cheer, Cena? We went, ha ha, because we don't want to. There was also some disappointment that it was going to be a 12-month program, because what we were so used to, including right now, in 2023, is that if all of a sudden, on a Monday Night Raw, I see The Rock and John Cena going at it, at the very least, I assume it's going to be at SummerSlam, but now we were being told, well, well, you better not die in the next year, otherwise you ain't going to see it. What many people forget too is that WWE actually doubled up on these, because the best match at WrestleMania 27 is Triple H versus The Undertaker. And what do we do on this episode of Raw? We start teasing. <laughs> Maybe we'll do the game versus the dead man again at WrestleMania 28. Why don't you have any new ideas? Otherwise, in terms of the pay-per-view itself, it is just a little bit lackluster to the point when you do watch it, you're like, man, is this actually WrestleMania? And even when we put the poll up, when people saw this event, they were like, oh, well, apart from Triple H versus The Undertaker, what's the point? I don't think they turned into robots. Let's put all that to one side, though, because live from the Georgia Dome, which is very WCW, in front of over 70,000 fans, let's take the finger of power and stand up Give the good bits are up and the bad bits are down for WrestleMania 27. Now, we don't usually talk about the pre-show, but we are here because it was really funny. By funny, I mean terrible. Because after weeks of building up Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan, which is Vince McMahon's favorite WrestleMania match, they got three minutes, it ended in no contest, and then magically just turned into a battle royal. I mean, what the flub is going on? This thing was also a lumberjack match, which is why I got out of control. When Teddy Long came out, I was all like, oh man, player, player, let's just throw everybody in the ring. And do you know who won it? <laughs> the great Carly. I'm sorry. That is proper two plus two equals potato stuff. How do we get here? He also did this by throwing out Sheamus last, who was also the United States champion. This is why we need to appreciate where those belts are in the modern day. 
They actually mean something in 2023. In 2011, they didn't mean dilly squat. Which does mean our pay-per-view proper kicks off with... It's The Rock. Because of course it's The Rock. I swear his whole plan was just to stand there until the show reached it a lot of time. Because after about five minutes, I was like, Dwayne, say something. Please, please say something, Dwayne. I understand you're enjoying the adulation. And the, oh my gosh, it's Mr. Dwayne Johnson. But for the love of everything, let something come out of your mouth. But at one point, I actually thought he was dead. And look, I totally understand this. Of course he was going to do it. And you know, not like he set his name on fire and took 499 years to get to the ring, which he would do in a few years' time. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the great one because we know what a good talker he is. But when he was getting half the crowd to say wrestle and the other half of the crowd to say mania... I was a little bit like, well, now you've just reminded me what a stupid name WrestleMania is. We should have called it the Colossal Tussle. Still, nothing else was ever going to go in this spot. And you can't deny the love between The Rock and the fans. So it does get you all warmed up. There's the word. This is when the wrestling does begin. And it's Alberto Del Rio versus Edge for the World Heavyweight Championship. Well, it's just a little bit odd. But while the rated R superstar does arrive with Christian, which makes all the sense in the world, when Alberto decides it's his time, he's got Ricardo Rodriguez, which I understand. But he's also here with Brodus Clay. I was like, did I just lose that part of my brain? I don't remember this at all. I mean, clearly, I just called my brain a blame. Something is going bad. Fans were also super mad because Del Rio had win the Raw Rumble. But look at this. He's opening the show and not main eventing. But can we just call the truth the truth here? WWE has always done this. Because when they say main event, they just mean championship. That's it. We've just got to accept it. I mean, sometimes they do pay-per-views, premium live events, and go, ha ha, there's three main events. That's baffling. Alberto also comes out in his fancy car. And if you watch it from a certain perspective, you're like, I don't know whether this is good guy Del Rio or bad guy Del Rio. And if he wasn't fighting Edge, who obviously at this stage was the pervert babyface, I would have been massively confused. And speaking of Adam Copeland, that is why this is so damn hard to watch. Because we know a couple of weeks after this, doctors were going to tell him you shouldn't be bumping anymore because you may die. And he was forced into retirement. So I couldn't really enjoy this at all. It's so bad, especially when Alberto throws him into Barry Barricade and he lands right on his neck. Although, thankfully, after that, he switches to the arm. I was like, yeah, I don't care about that thing. Rip the damn limb off for all I care, but stay away from his skull area. And I knew I shouldn't have said anything either, because then Del Rio Frankensteiners him off the top. <laughs> I was having kittens again. Edge does get his foot on the rope, so Ricardo is playing around, which is when Christian gets involved. And I was a bit like, man, no wonder Christian left all those years ago. This is the only spot you could find for him on WrestleMania. That man never gets his due. It's also why Brodus Clay gets involved and he drops Christian on the outside. It's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And really the massive problem with this match is that nobody, including myself, I mean, obviously I'd seen it before, thought that Alberto Del Rio was actually going to win the title. So even when he applies the armbar, you can actually see some people in the audience like, yeah, he's definitely going to get out of it. And he does. Around this time, Christian also gets his revenge on Brodus. And you know the deal. No professional wrestler can handle something going on outside the squared circle. So Del Rio forgets that he's wrestling. He turns around into the spear. Who knows those threads? Now, look, I will say it's a fun match. Although the aftermath is so damn stupid. Because Christian and Edge go to Alberto Del Rio's car. And they smash the whole thing up. And this is where the camera cuts to Alberto's face. And he looks so sad. Like some kind of puppy that doesn't have an owner. I felt sorry for him. So once again, the whole face dynamic is all over the place. Also, you do have to ask the question, what the hell did the car do? I mean, I kind of got over this because like Del Rio, why are you stuck in the ring? You know, you could leave and try to save your vehicle. But look, given that it was Edge's last match for like 900 years or whatever it was, and it's a good way to open WrestleMania, I shall give it an up. Well, we get a proper throwback. 
because it is Cody Rhodes taking on Rey Mysterio. What a world. Mysterio is dressed like Captain America, and this is just yet more evidence, which always crops up on retro ups and downs, that Rey is actually probably the best wrestler ever. You can go to multiple decades and see him fighting, and he actually never has a bad match. Cody's big plan as well was to remove Ray's leg brace and work over his knee. And when you take this out of context, it's so damn funny. Because it's like Rhodes looked at Mysterio and was like, no, I don't like your ring gear, so I'm just going to start stripping you. I know I'm a weird dude. When that didn't work, Cody applied the dreaded nerve hold, so I was shouting, how dare you attack someone's nerves? And of course, this is the Rhodes character where he thought he was grotesque, so he would wear that mask thingamajig and put bags over people's heads. So don't tell me that Cody Rhodes didn't try and get over and often hit a brick wall when it came to management who just went, meh, you've got to be stardust. He would do anything. It's no surprise now he's a megastar. It also allowed him to be a super heel because he was using the mask as a weapon. I was like, wait a minute. How is this allowed? Why does the referee not care? That's like me coming out with a gun attached to my arm saying, oh yeah, I need it because of injuries. <laughs> I just start shooting people. I don't think it's going to fly. Cody then stops the 619 using the damn mask and the ref does nothing, which is when he gets sword and he impales Rey Mysterio. Now, of course, that didn't happen, but if he had have done, I presume it would have been totally fine. It does work because Rey then decides, well, I'm just going to take that protector off your face. And honestly, man, Cody Rhodes is just the best. He sells it like it's the worst thing ever. Once again, I kind of felt a bit sorry for him. He also acts like his face is about to fall off, so somebody better call Nicolas Cage. And of course, it means when Rey Mysterio finally hits the 619, it's double damage because he does have a bad head. Around this point too, Mysterio puts on the mask. I was like, this thing is totally out of control. I mean, imagine he did that with his wrestling pants. Wouldn't be so cool then, would it? There is actually a very nice callback though, because eventually Rhodes spills to the outside. And when Ray goes to dive on him, of course the referee isn't looking. So he gets that knee brace from earlier. He smacks Mysterio right on the head. He hits the crossroads and he gets the win. Now look, I know WWE loves nothing more than beating Ray Mysterio, but this still came across to me like a big deal. Now I do get the criticism in the sense that once again, it just doesn't feel like a WrestleMania match, which you can kind of tie into the first one too, but it is entertaining, it is fun. I did get joy from it, especially from a retro point of view, for obvious reasons. Uh, when Mania went Mania, <laughs> this was terrible. The super guest Snoop Dogg is here with Teddy Long, and they have decided that they are going to audition people for Snoop's tour or his new album or something. I mean, I'm trying to remove this from my brain because it sucks. It does mean the likes of William Regal, Beth Phoenix, The Great Carly, and Zack Ryder are here to rap. I couldn't help but think to myself, these poor people, they have trained so hard to be professional wrestlers They've made it to WrestleMania, and now they got to do flubbing silly things like this. There is kind of a good bit when Roddy Piper turns up and he hits Ryder with a coconut. Although then I was like, wait a minute, that's just reminded me of a somewhat racist storyline from yesteryear. It then totally falls through the floor because Yoshi Tatsu is doing a rap as Chris Masters turns up and he does the peck dance. And by this point, I was like, well, clearly I've ingested some drugs and nobody told me. Hornswoggle then joins in and Teddy Long's all like, oh, Snoop, he can't rap because he can't talk. And then Hornswoggle does the rap and Snoop is like, oh my gosh, it's the great thing ever. Who wouldn't want a leprechaun on tour? And I must have now seen this at least twice in my life and I will never make it a third time. And I know, look again, I love goofy wrestling. This ain't it. The strangest part is that the Bella Twins just dancing in the background and I understand why we do cameos on Wrestlemania and good for them but down which also ties into our next match 
which is also totally crazy. Because here's Kane, Big Show, Kofi Kingston, and Santino Marella taking on the core. I mean, the flapping core. Or Nexus Toy Point. Oh, because we screwed the first one up. But it is Wade Barrett, Ezekiel Jackson, Heath Slater, and Justin Gabriel. And just to make you know that you should never, ever get behind these four new superstars that we could push, they lose in about 90 seconds on WrestleMania. It also means it's shorter than that mess we just saw backstage. And originally, Vladimir Kozlov was meant to be on the good guy team when The Core took him out during the Fire Access event. But all that meant is that Kofi Kingston was subbed in and he helped beat them in this record-setting time. So it made Wade Barrett and his crew look even more dumb. And of course, it ends when Marilla hits the Cobra onto Slater and Big Show smashes him with the knockout punch. And it's over so fast, when I woke up the next day, I had to ask myself, did that happen or did I just make it up? And if you went to get popcorn live, you would have missed it. Although, miss is probably a little bit of a stretch. The absolute highlight, though, is Santino doing his power walk into a clothesline. And that guy still doesn't get his due. He is one of the best comedy characters ever. But I'm going to keep saying my catchphrase for this episode of Retro Ups and Downs. This is WrestleMania, damn it. And all we could come up with this... Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Where, of course, we buried the Divas title. I mean, it doesn't take much, but still. For The Rock was backstage with Eve Torres, who said, oh, I don't have my belt because it doesn't match my outfit. I was like, absolutely tremendous. How I look is far more important than being a champion. For some reason, Rocky then says, well, whoever walks around that corner is going to get a memorable moment with the Great One, which is a ridiculous statement to make because it is WWE. Who comes around that damn corner? It is, of course, Mae Young. Of course, it's all done for ha-ha, and Rocky calls her a divasaurus. And I was like, look, you've cut some of the best promos ever, Dwayne, but that ain't it. Of course, Young instantly replies with the fact she wants to give The Rock a blowjob. I mean, she says, people strudel, but I am not standing on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. That is the attention here. That is the reference, so I'm just going to say it. Mae Young. The old person wants to get down. You know what? Let's just move on. We then make some Adam and Eve jokes. If you haven't realized, Mae Young is really old, where thankfully she is pushed on screen. And do you know who then turns up? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now this works because it will forever be money. And if you're an old man like me, you just get mad nostalgia pangs. And they just look at each other because wrestling is super serious. That's the only reason I'm going to give it an up. The rest is absolute pants. But it's just two of the best ever. They create magic. When Randy Orton took on CM Punk, once again, I don't remember this at all. It's also when Punk had taken over the old Nexus, which were now the new Nexus, although they were banned for ringside and weren't long for this world. And because Punk had beaten up Randy Orton's leg, that was the whole focus on the match, he was going to try and remove that from his body. 
eventually realised that wasn't possible and he failed. The most interesting part is not once on commentary do we mention the Nexus, so wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but you'll be unsurprised to hear that it's Randy Orton versus CM Punk, so it's an incredibly well-worked match that has a damn good finish. Before then, CM was throwing Randy's leg into Rita the ring post when he applies the sharpshooter thing that Bret Hart used to do, and I always enjoy seeing that. And if you do go really quiet, you'll probably hear the hitman yelling about Goldberg. There's also a great bit where Orton goes for the punk kick, but his leg gives out because of all of this. And it's when CM Punk goes to the outside, he goes to hit a springboard flying nothing, and Orton just catches him in the RKO. He gets the one, two, three, but the camera actually finds some fans in the audience who are losing their minds. This is really damn good. We were obviously building up to the Summer of Punk away, which was going to tie into this because CM Punk was going to get really frustrated, which actually makes this even more entertaining to watch because you know where it's going. And he just gets murked and murked after this before kind of getting his duel, but kind of not. But still, this is probably a good place to start. Up. And now I'm going to give you one guess as to what happened next. I'll give you a few seconds. Dun -dun 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 if you've seen the show, you know. But if you haven't, <laughs> you said we then go backstage and The Rock has a conversation with Pee Wee Herman, you should go right for WW Creative because you're on the same page. But it all begins with a great one talking to Mean Gene Oakland, who is essentially saying, Mean Gene, I think you're an idiot. He turns around and there is Pee Wee, who like an absolute goober, tells The Rock, oh, I really like John Cena. What are you doing? I mean, he may as well have gone, oh, I hate the XFL and overpriced energy drinks. And of course, The Rock says, oh, you've got to leave the Fruit Loop troop and join Team Bring It. Then this damn thing did get me. Because we cut back to Mean Gene. <laughs> and for some reason, he's just like John Cena. <laughs> I laugh. Herman then calls him a tool, which feels uncalled for. And when Pee Wee does the whole, if you smell what I'm cooking, I did cringe inside. But look, it is a positive Pete show. And because it did make me chuckle because Mean Gene did get dressed up and also because Oakland is one of the best ever, I shall give it an up. But actually, between you and me, because there's nobody else here, a lot of the backstage segments with The Rock, well, they weren't very good. We then move into the Hall of Fame stuff after this, with the highlight being Drew Carey getting booed. Now, I like Drew Carey, and his appearance at the Royal Rumble is always a good time, but should he have been put in the Hall of Fame? No. It does bring us to our next match, though, and my word, is this the worst thing we've ever done in WrestleMania history? I think it may be. So that's right. It is Michael Gold versus Jerry Lawler who had been bickering on commentary the whole evening, which is so annoying. And Cole was in his coal mine, which was some random box-like structure he had made for himself. I mean, who ticked off on that? Whoever decided this should go 15 minutes too has to be certifiably insane. And Stone Cold Steve Austin wasn't a special guest enforcer for this. I couldn't think of one positive and nice thing to say about it. And this is me. I suppose... Jack Swagger being in Michael Cole's corner is pretty good, but it also reminds you, well, I think WWE's given up on Jack Swagger. But actually, it's hilarious to begin with, because Austin comes out on his Carty Watt thing. He almost runs over Swagger. Honestly, if he hadn't have got out of the way, he'd probably be dead. Right away, Michael then goes and hides in the coal mine, so Jerry Lawler has to climb in there and beat him up. But it's so small, they essentially get trapped. I get it. The king throws him around for a while, but I was like, would you just get in the ring and have it over and done with? I mean, we honestly could have gone pile driver, stunner, one, two, three, but we did not. Because after Jerry has hurled Jack into Barry Barricade and Michael Cole is like, please, please don't hurt me, Swagger is back. He beats up Lawler, which means you do get a good few minutes of Michael Cole performing offense onto Jerry Lawler. Now, look, 
It's not Michael Cole's fault. He is not a trained wrestler. But you are watching this once again on WrestleMania and thinking, I don't know how we got here, but I want to go home. I mean, it honestly is like watching a frog learning to walk. And I think at this juncture is when 2 plus 2 equals potato was born because it doesn't make any sense. For the king is selling this as if he has been shot. And I'm like, why? It's Michael Cole. He's not doing anything that impressive. I couldn't handle any of this. Finally, he does fight back. So Swagger throws in the towel. But Stone Cold Steve Austin ignores that because, of course, he wants to see Cole get beaten up. I was like, Stone Cold, that is your proper heel turn. You could have finished this and you didn't. Of course, we did that as well. So Swagger would get hit with a Stone Cold stunner. And then finally, Jerry hits the big fist. He has Michael Cole pinned and he pulls his shoulder up at two. I have tears. I have tears coming out of my face. Why are we doing it? was Oh, why? Thankfully, Lawler then applies the ankle lock and Michael Cole does tap out. But Austin, because he wants to cause pain on this guy, waits forever until he calls it. And if you thought that was the end of this fast, well, it's not. Because Booker T arrives for no reason, does a spin rooney has a beer bash and then gets stunned. And when Jerry and Steve are celebrating, the flipping anonymous GM laptop goes off and Josh Matthews says, well, I think that Stone Cold Steve Austin got interfered too much in that match. So I'm reversing the decision. <laughs> Michael Cole has won. This is my body. Look, it's just the life draining out of me. I don't understand any of it. I honestly thought about jumping out the window because then I would have to have focused on my broken legs instead. And if we had done this on Raw, it would have sucked bad. But on WrestleMania and a big chunk of WrestleMania, well, you know the deal. It doesn't just get a down. It gets a brown down. And trust me when I say you never want to watch this. Not today, not tomorrow, not in 744 years. I cannot believe it exists. And now look, I'm going to hit myself until it gets out of my brain. I can only assume that WWE knew this was going to be a disaster. Because right afterwards, we go into Triple H versus The Undertaker. And as we talked about in the intro, this isn't just good. It's flubbing great. So they absolutely kick the shit out of each other, which is awesome. But the only real problem is that WWE, as you may recall, acted like this was their first WrestleMania match. I was like, no, it wasn't. They got booked at WrestleMania 17. And the only reason we do do this is because apparently it's just a rumor. When we got to that WrestleMania in 2001, Vince McMahon forgot to book Triple H and The Undertaker, so he just threw them together at the last minute. The game even smashes Taker through the coal mine at one point. I was like, don't do that because then I have to remember what I just saw. But seriously, every move that they hit each other with, I honestly believe maybe at some points they forgot that wrestling wasn't real. We also see Hunter absolutely kill Taker by throwing him into Alan the announce table with a spine buster. And all of this happens in about eight seconds. Apparently they'd stored up all their finishes before making their way to the ring because they just keep trying them. But actually, this is smart too, because you can just survey the crowd and go, look, nobody's buying that the game is going to win this because of the Undertaker streak. So we're going to have to come up with something clever. It all starts with these horrible chair shots from Triple H, who then hits the pedigree when he gets a two. When The Undertaker comes back with the last ride, but the game kicks out on that. So it becomes a Professor Layton puzzle and it's all on. It gets even better, though, because Taker then hits the tombstone and Triple H kicks out of that. And all of a sudden, it's like the light bulb goes off. And everyone's like, wait a minute. If he kicked out of the stone of tomb, maybe he's actually going to win. Also, it is Triple H, and we know how he likes to play the political game. It totally ramps up because then Trip starts busting out the pedigrees, and by this point, everybody has tapped in. When he goes back to the chair shots, and seriously, Mark Calloway must have owed him money. Because just to heighten this unsureness, Triple H starts hitting him so many times and so violently, I started to worry that the dead man was actually dead. 
And I even started pondering it out loud. Why are we doing this? Why would anybody want to take this much punishment when you could just say, hey, Paul, why don't you back off a little bit? It all leads to Triple H of all people smashing Taker with the tombstone. And this has got to be one of the best near falls in history. Once again, go and look at the fans' eyes. They totally, totally buy into it, as did I. Which is foolish, because I knew the streak didn't end here, but it is an all-time moment. This intensifies when Hunter is all like, well, if that didn't work, I'll murder him with a sledgehammer, which he does get. But just as he swings it, all of a sudden, Taker applies the go-go platter, and our Triple H is running out of air. It also saw MMA fans all over the world get upset, because that's not the way you apply that move. And this is such a cool finish, because Triple H, not wanting to die, tries to get the sledgehammer, but at the very last second, he does pass out. The Undertaker had done it. Mr. Burns had won it. This is proper five-star stuff. As I already talked about, they'd already decided they were going to do the rematch next year, because if Shawn Michaels can do it, I'm sure Triple H can do it better. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And everybody sells this like death, but especially The Undertaker. Like, even though Triple H lost, he does walk away. <laughs> Whereas the phenom is just totally broken. I mean, he even gets stretched out, but it just meant this all felt very well done. And that maybe, just maybe, we were doing this because when we got to WrestleMania 28, Triple H would actually win. So not only does it get a round of applause, but it doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. And that's very rare on ups and downs. We went from a brown down to a golden up. Kind of underlines WrestleMania 27. When this mania freaks out again, because we've already gone from stupid match into amazing match. We go back to stupid match times too, because here comes Snooki. Now, I totally understand why we did do this, because in many ways, Snooki being on the show may have got more interest than The Rock, because I cannot underline how massive Jersey Shore was 10 years or so ago. It was massive. I mean, I didn't even watch it, and even I knew who the Snook was. Sums it up. The poor lady had no idea what she was walking into, though, because as soon as she did arrive, it's just boo. Boo. We hate you. I mean, what did she do? She accepted opportunity. How dare you? She's also teaming up with John Morrison and Trish Stratus to take on Michelle McCall, Layla, and John Morrison. So once again, this is not something you can watch normally. It kind of feels like you're having some kind of fever dream. What really make you laugh, though, is one of the first things you do see is Snooki slaps Dolph Ziggler. Because it doesn't matter what year you're in, WWE will find a way to humiliate Dolph. It's such a roller coaster as well, because around here was when we were telling the whole story of, oh my gosh, can Lay call Stave friends? And there was no way Snooki was going to lose here. So she eventually hits like a handspring elbow thingamajig, and no offense, the worst splash you will ever see, and she gets the three. There's also this part where Morrison hits the Starship pain onto the outside, onto Ziggler, and I was like, there was no reason to do that. One, this match doesn't need it, and two, it looks like it sucks. It is almost incredible watching this today because you couldn't get away with it as celebrity in 2023 because Brad Bunny and Logan Paul have raised the bar so high that our expectations have changed. Well, I guess that's a reason to watch it. I don't really know what to give it. <laughs> give it an up if I doesn't deserve it at all. But look how much it made me laugh. But when you go towards WrestleMania 27, I would skip it. So if I am being honest with you, it doesn't work at all, which actually is kind of the same for our main event. I appreciate the fact we tried an experiment, but yeah. And we all know that it was John Cena versus The Miz who was the WWE Champion at the time. But the truth is, it's not. This is all about John Cena versus The Rock, and The Miz plays second fiddle, or third fiddle, or third wheel, whatever you want to call him. Now, he does have that amazing video package that people are still talking about today, but that wasn't enough. And it kind of feels like WWE is going, <laughs> ha, 
we made Miz the champion, so that just translates to everything else. Now, I do want to point out that I think the Miz is a first ballot Hall of Famer, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. And, of course, John Cena gets a video too, which basically tells us he was once a child. It's good to know. He also gets a special entrance because a choir sings him to the ring. Not that you could really hear it. It's like looking around too. Boo. The whole problem, though, is that this is meant to be our big fight for the night, but the fans and the crowd and the audience, they just don't care. I think because, one, the stuff we've already talked about with them is, but two, everybody knows, well, until The Rock gets involved, he wasn't out here at this point, nothing's going to happen, so they just sit on their hands. For the things as well, we tease that the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, was going to be the trump card for Cena, because he does this to The Miz at one point, but the referee is trying to fix Tina the turnbuckle, so he doesn't win. Now, once again, this stands to reason, is to make people go, oh my gosh, maybe Cena is going to lose, but yeah, The Rock still isn't here, so nobody cares. Alex Riley also gets interfered, but nobody buys that either. When they do brawl out into the crowd, they fall over Barry Barricade, and because they kind of smack their heads on the floor, well, The Miz actually does, and he gets concussed, the referee <laughs> counts them out. And for a few seconds, you're like, wait a minute, we're doing a count-out finish in WrestleMania event? Honey, get the car, we're going home. Now, the whole point is, this is when the Great One does come to the ring, but it's too late. You've already pissed off the fans because nobody wanted to see this in such an era. It then just gets totally crappy because the anonymous Raw general manager is back. And do you know what The Rock does? He breaks the laptop. So I'm like, wait a minute, somebody could have just done that? Why didn't we do it months ago? The People's Champion then definitely does go heel because Cena is about to hit the AA when he just gets in the ring. He hits a rock bottom. The ref's like, well, there's nothing I can do about that. Allowing the Miz to crawl on top of Johnny Boy and get the one, two, three. This ties back to what I just said. Does that sound like a WWE champion? No, it does not. The Rock then takes out the Miz as well with the people's elbow to remind you, I'm not his mate or anything. Meaning that WrestleMania 27 ends with the camera <laughs> on the Rock. It's the whole event. It's such a whirlwind. And actually, probably something that WWE wouldn't do today. And look, I do get it here. I know what we were trying to achieve. But like I've already said, I just don't think it works. And sometimes presenting something a little bit more traditional would have been the way. This is the real reason I gave an up for a Snooki match. I just want to cause carnage because I'm going to give this a down. That's right. Simon Miller, idiot extraordinaire, gave a Snooki match <laughs> and a main event a down. I am living my best life. And we shall finish with Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer rating so you can get an idea what Uncle Dave thought about this. C gave Edge versus Del Rio three and a half stars. Cody versus Ray two and a half stars. Seems unfair. The Core versus some random people half a star. Orton versus CM Punk three stars. Lawler versus Cole somehow got one star. Taker versus Triple H gets four and a half stars. Looky Time got one star. And the main event... <laughs> Got one and a quarter stars. So it's only just a little bit better than Snooki. Amazingly, too, when we do talk about this show overall, I do think it's got to get a down. Like, it's actually not worth your time in terms of watching it from start to finish. The Triple H Undertaker match saves it. But if you take that out, it barely feels like WrestleMania at all. The catchphrase. Now, of course, if you have gone back and watched it, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you thought about it. You may have a totally different opinion. And look on the screen right now, it's the first comeback of Retro Ups and Downs. It's Money in the Bank 2010. Also, please do like the video, share the video, and subscribe. Check out whatculture.com and follow us on social media. And some people seem to have missed the memo. Retro Ups and Downs is now fortnightly. I did mention this to you. So in a couple of weeks, we'll probably do a retro SummerSlam. I imagine 2001 because we've never done that. So I shall see you then. Take care of yourself. Goodbye. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. 
everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.